0: The expounded text will be verses uh, 12 and 13, but I will back up just uh, in verse 9, just for a little bit of context. So chapter 5, verse 9. For God has not destined us for wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us so that whether we are awake or asleep, we might live with him. Therefore, encourage one another, build one another up, just as you are doing. We ask you, brothers, to respect those who labor among you and are over you in the Lord and admonish you, and to esteem them very highly in love because of their work. Be at peace among yourselves. Amen. That is a reading of God's words. You may be seated. The reason why I backed up uh, to verse 9, 10 and especially in verse 11, because verse 11 in this epistle that Paul is writing to the Christians in Thessalonica pretty much is a new stage of the letter. There is something that's going to be built upon that, that verse 11 where he says, therefore, encourage one another and build one another up just as you are doing. He wants the church to the, the following instructions that are after this are just for the church to do exactly that build one another up in the faith, encourage one another, just as you are doing. And the first thing that he wants this church to realize in order for them to build each other up is respect and honor and love towards the leaders that are of this church. Now, I know that many of you, and I'm not going to pick on you, I'm, I'll meet you where you are. Many of you do observe the Western uh, Church calendar. Um, and, and, and on the Western Church calendar, this is indeed the day the Lord has risen. But one of the uh, applications of the risen Christ as he has ascended at the right hand of God, remember what he told his disciples. I will not leave you as orphans. I will give you the Holy Spirit. And that spirit was poured out at Pentecost. But that spirit also organized the church. And that spirit is indeed still organizing the church through the Lord Jesus' Lord rule as he is ascended at the right, right hand of God. So indeed, yes, he's risen. But part of his application of the risen Savior is that his church will have a government. His church will be organized. His church will exercise this encouragement for one another. So that's one of the main reasons why Paul starts off right off the bat in verse 12 and 13 about honoring your leaders. And that is why this uh, title of the sermon is Honor Your Leaders, Honor Your Leaders. The teaching of this passage, if you can sum it up, is respecting and honoring church leaders promotes peace. It's it's just that simple. But we're going to expound it in two points. And in verses 12 to 13, the first part of verse 13, we're going to look at Christians are to respect and honor church leaders for their work. Christians are to respect and honor church leaders for their work. And point number two, peace is preserved with the pursuit of this duty. We want peace in the church. We don't want schism. We will honor our leaders, and and I'm gonna expound on who exactly are those leaders. What did Jesus Christ uh, give to the church as a government? And so, verses twelve to thirteen, well, at least the first part of thirteen, Paul says. We ask you, brothers, to respect those who labor among you and are over you in the Lord and admonish you and to esteem them very highly in love because of their work. All right. It is God's command for all of his people to honor those who are in authority. This is part, as we're going through the Ten Commandments, uh, in the evening. This is part of the Ten Commandments. This is what the Fifth Commandment means. Honor your father and mother. But we know honoring your father and mother does not mean just your parental father and mother. It's all those, all those who are in authority. I will look at the larger catechism to help you understand this. Listen what the, the larger catechism, the standards of our church says about father and mother, this fifth commandment. Who are meant by father and mother in the fifth commandment? By father and mother in the fifth commandment are meant not only natural parents, but all superiors. Let's stop right there. We don't even realize that there are inferiors and superiors anymore. That's one thing that's a correction on this society at this point, there is an order in society. And the way the Lord has given it is there are superiors and there are inferiors. So it's not only your natural parents, but all all superiors in age and gifts. And especially such as by God's ordinance. And here's where we where we park at. God's ordinance are over us in place of authority. Rather in family, father and mother, church, and that's what this is the context of this the church and commonwealth, the civil government. So, yes, church leaders are fathers, are fathers unto the church. Next question Why are superiors styled father and mother? Superiors are styled father and mother both to teach them and all duties towards their inferiors, like natural parents, to express love and tenderness to them, according to their several relations, and to work inferiors to greater willingness and cheerfulness in performing their duties to their superiors as to their parents. Now, the sins that is listed in this commandment, it's not just sins of commission, but it's sins of omission. So, what is the honor that is the church members? What are they to do to honor those who are their superiors? What is the honor that inferiors owe to their superiors? The honor which inferiors owe to their superiors is all due reverence. Reverence in heart, in word, and behavior. Reverence in heart, word, and behavior. Prayer and thanksgiving for them. Prayer and thanksgiving for them. Imitation of their virtues and graces. This is why Paul said, imitate me as I follow Christ. Willingness, obedience to their lawful commands and counsels. Lawful commands and counsels. Do submission to their corrections. They correct you, you ought to take it if it's Biblical willing obedience to their lawful commands and counsels, due submission to their correction. Fidelity to, how do we know that? Because he says, they are over you and the Lord. Their labor. Their labor. Now this word labor, we see here in this passage, it's important to understand the meaning of this word. Uh, The word labor in this passage imports diligent, diligent labor all the while working, causing weariness. They are to be working out in weariness. They should be, <laughs> in in some ways, exhausted. That's what this word labor means. They are working to weariness. Elders, their main labor, main labor is in the prayer and in the word. Now, there are other things that obviously elders do. They administrate, they do all, all, all other things, but their main focus, their main duty is prayer and the word. Prayer with and for all God's kingdom, not just themselves and not just their families. The word they are to labor in to study, they are to label the word to teach it to the congregation. They are to apply the word that is in ruling. They ought to apply the word in rebuking. They are to apply the word whenever they have having visitations, when they visit your home. And they are definitely ought to apply the word whenever there is a, a place of church discipline. They must apply the word. But they only have authority to govern by the word only. not traditions. Not extra biblical activities. Nothing, an elder can tell you. Nothing. Nothing should be listened to that an elder tells you to do if it's not biblically prescribed in the scriptures. It has to be from the word. We can't. You heard it this morning. We can't make someone, make someone tell them, make them go to a Bible study. Why? Because it's not an ordinance of a god. You can't make somebody do that, but there are other things that the Word tells us to do that we can give the authority and exercise our authority. It's not traditions. It's not extra uh, biblical activities. Now, but what about deacons? Deacons, deacons again. Their main they, they have other jobs, but their main labor is in sympathy and mercy. Sympathy. And mercy. Looking out for those who are in the poor, the who are poor in the congregation, looking out for the lonely, the afflicted, the sick, the needy. Looking for ways to minister to each and every one of those people. Now there are other duties that they're the deacons that imply sympathy and mercy, handling the church money, the funds. Again, the elders cannot get wrapped up in that. If they do, it will hinder the 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 forwardness of the church. The church must move forward. And if elders have to continue to do all the things that the deacons are doing, it can hinder. Now, they ought to be able to do it. But the Lord has given us deacons in order to help out in the ministry. And this is a very spiritual office. Now, that's what they're laboring. But how does it cause weariness? Let's think about this. Why does it need to be diligent and why does it cause weariness? Elders and deacons have important decisions to make every time they meet and every time there are situations that happen in the church. Deacons, again, they are offering the the word of sympathy, offering sympathy and mercy towards those who are in need. And so they, they have to think of ways. And each situation is different. And that's why they need wisdom. So a deacon, as we are all called to be Christ-like, are to mimic what Christ would do for those who, are in, who need sympathy and who need, and who are in need. And that may vary from time to time for different cases. But they must be Christ-like. Now, I remember... <laughs> I wasn't even a Christian then, but what was popular in those days when I was young and a teenager was the what would Jesus do bracelets. We mock at it now and we kind of laugh at it and we know that it's not the gospel and there was a lot of silliness that went on in the movement. But you know, it's not really an entirely bad question to ask, especially if you are an officer. You're a deacon. There's a poor man on the porch who's laying there who's needy. How can I be like Christ to that person? Do I give him food? Do I give him a gospel tract? Do I preach the gospel to him? Do I feed him? It's hot out there. Maybe I give him some water. Those are decisions that we have to make as deacons. Elders, how can they be like Christ-like in a certain church situation, in a certain church discipline situation? A man... Uh, maybe he's a drunkard, how can we mimic, how can we mimic Christ, how can we show Christ and apply the word to that person, a man that's caught in adultery, how do we handle that, if he comes to us to the session, how do we comfort him, how do we, how do we exercise church discipline to that person, and again, it varies from case to case, but remember what Jesus did to the woman that was caught in adultery in John chapter 8. They came up to him. They said, This woman was caught. She was caught. She didn't come to us and said that she said adult, she, she did adultery. She was caught. Now the law says to stone this woman. That is exactly what the law tells us to do. Jesus, what do we do? He who is without sin cast the first stone. Wow. And I have to <laughs> I say this publicly, I have to really give the men the benefit of the doubt. At least they dropped their stones. At least they dropped them. But in our day, people would say, Well, you know, Jesus, nobody's perfect. But this woman, this woman, she sinned a horrible sin. This woman sinned a sin that was that's very horrible, that's worse than my sin. So, woman, catch. Think fast. That's the type of thinking that we have in our day and age. So it's hard, but we have to make these decisions. Every elder who is ruling over Christ's church. So that's one reason why it's weary. Another reason. Elders and deacons must do the duties of the office while doing their everyday callings. They go to work just like you do. For nine hours, nine to ten hours. They're in two hours in traffic, just like you are. They come home and they do family worship, just like you do. They, they have to exercise and take care of their health, just like you do. They have to take care of elderly parents, just like you do. All these elders and these deacons have to do all these things while laboring and the word and prayer, and for deacons, sympathy and mercy. That's why it causes weariness. So that's one of the things that, that we are to understand this, and, and and why it causes weariness. Another reason, especially for elders, they don't just serve this church. We are Presbyterians. That means all churches are connected. So you guess what the elders do? They serve the church regional, that is the presbytery. They serve them as well. The church gathered together over there. But they also serve the church ecumenically, that is, at General Assembly, on a national level. So out of all those things, that is what causes the weariness. That is what causes the weariness. Now, Paul says in verse uh, 13, to esteem them very highly. To esteem them very highly, and the English does <laughs> it does not help. Oh, again, one of the main passages that we can uh, really glean from this is First Timothy chapter five, verse seventeen: "Let the elders rule well; to be, rule well be considered worthy of double honor, worthy of double honor." That means believers must treat their leaders with respect, higher and greater than any other official, higher and greater than any other official. They are to be highly esteemed, not because of their financial status. It's not because they have the most money. It's not because they give the most. That's not why they should be esteemed. They're not to be esteemed because of their educational status, how many degrees they have. That's not the reason why they should be esteemed. They're not to be esteemed even because of their age. And now, (laughs) Paul said to Timothy, you know, don't let those despise you for your youth. You know, and (laughs) Timothy was a young man, and he was to uh, speak respectfully to those who are elders. He did tell them that, too. But he told Timothy, don't let no one despise you for your youth. Don't put up with it, the, the, those who are older thinking that they can run over you and think they know better than you. You are ordained in this office. And so he says to Timothy, do not, do not, do not let anybody despise you for your youth. But in churches, if you're the oldest, that means you're the most wise. And that means you're worthy of double honor. But if you're not, then you're not. You're not worthy of double honor. Family name, not to be esteemed because of that. Business expertise, that's not the reason why church leaders should be esteemed. What exactly are they to be esteemed in? Says it right here, their work. Their work among God's people. They are doing the work. Laboring and preaching and teaching, offering sympathy and mercy, Doing all the things that an elder and a deacon is called to do. That is why they are worthy of double honor, elders and deacons. But in all this, in all actuality, we need to realize that Christ, Christ Himself, the one who's ascended, the one who's risen, the one who's ascended, He is the universal elder, He is the universal deacon, He is the universal bishop. He is the one that is king and head of his church, and he is the one who fulfills this whole, all of the offices perfectly. And so every elder and every deacon is, again, to look to Christ. And even every member is to look to Christ as the universal elder, the universal deacon, the universal bishop, and king of his church. Now, application of the first point. Number one, we are to thank the risen Christ, the risen and ascended Christ for giving us such a church government. Because otherwise we will be just like the book of Judges. Everyone does what's right in their own eyes. But the Lord did not want that for his church. He wants elders and deacons. And so we should be thankful that the Lord did not leave us as orphans as as he promised us. He gave us the Holy Spirit And what did that Holy Spirit do? Gave us pastors, evangelists, teachers, elders, deacons. That is a gift of the church. So thank the Lord for giving us a government. But we have to ask the question, do we honor our leaders? Do we honor? Based on what the the larger catechism says, how we should honor Father and mother, do we honor them? This is why whenever we go to presbytery, we say fathers and brothers. Because we know that we are brothers, but, we, but the, there are also fathers. We are all fathers in the faith. So, in the ways prescribed in the scriptures, do you honor them? If not, then you are to repent. Now, right now. And I'll tell you the reason, and this comes in the second point. But you are to repent right now and honor your leaders. You are not to be in rebellion against them. You you are to support them and encourage them. And leaders themselves are to honor one another. No one is is to think they are better than anybody. We are to honor one another. Now, there are times when leadership does not need to be followed. We know that. There are times where you are the Martin Luther and 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 the leaders are doing things that are contrary to scripture. In fact, they are wolves hurting the sheep. Those are times that we are indeed to not follow those leaders, to go against those decisions. But you better be sure that if you want to send your elders to Presbytery, you better be sure that you are correct. Otherwise, you, you want to, do you want to have sleepless nights? Because you are going against the ordinance of God. And people who actually, again, we can't question motives here. People who who may have it a, a, a love for you and want to help you you are to be encouraging them and you better be sure if you want to take them and disagree and not take their advice. Which is another reason why the eldership is hard because everybody's an expert these days. Everybody. The blogger, everybody's an expert. Everybody knows more than their leaders. That's the day we live in. But we, as God's people, are not to be that way. Now, by application practical ways where we can do this those who are members and even members of this church they need, we need to ask questions to our leaders are your needs being met how's your family how's your wife for the pastor as he is laboring and preaching and teaching are your needs being met what? How can we help you? Those are some questions that we can do to honor our leaders. How can we pray for you? And one of the main things to 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 honor a leader is when he asks to visit your home, because that's his duty is to visit you in your household, and you accept it. You accept it. That's your duty as well. So. That's practical ways, there are other practical ways, but those are some of the practical ways that we can help honor our leaders. Now the second point, again, it will not be long. Uh, The second point, peace is preserved with the pursuit of this duty of honoring our elders and deacons. 13B, he says, uh, 13B, he says, and to esteem them very highly in love because of their work, be at peace among yourselves. Now, there are differences of opinion on this passage. Some people translate uh, "be at peace among yourselves" or "be at peace among them," meaning the elders. And the reason why is because there's different variants with uh, w- regards to this text. But one thing we can all know, based on the the, the coherence of Scripture and all the Scripture and all of its parts matching up together. What does it say in Mark chapter 9, verse 50? Salt is good, but if salt has lost its saltiness, how will you make it salty again? Have salt in yourselves, and then what does it say? Be at peace with one another. We are the salt and light of the world. It's not the matter of we are, you know, we have to pray to be salt and light. We are the salt and light of the world. And look at the world today. Fill of so much division, no peace, even among our own government. But where does it come from? It starts from the church first. When there's no peace among God's people, it's going to go bad for the whole world, even for a nation. And so if we can't preserve peace, if we don't honor our leaders, you are going to see it in our own nation and even in the world. So that's why. Christians are to seek peace with each other. And we need to know that if Christians give honor and respect to their leaders, it is a way to preserve peace among themselves. How do we know that? The scripture says you strike the shepherd and the sheep will, will, will scatter. Not they might, they will scatter. Another example, the Corinthian church. They heaped up teachers after themselves. They said, well, I'm, you know, I'm a Cephas. I'm of, of, of Apollos. And the spiritual ones said, I'm of the Lord Jesus Christ. And, and, and then there were some that said, well, I'm a Paul. And Paul's like, I'm glad I didn't baptize none of y'all. It is, what, what was happening in that church was immaturity. They were heaping up teachers after themselves. And what happened? It, it caused schism. You want to cause schism? Don't listen to your leaders or honor your leaders. That's just that's it goes bad for all churches whenever that happens. The Corinthian church applauded some leaders, but held others in contempt. The government of Christ's church is a holy, a holy ordinance of God and should not be violated or slighted. Not even one inch. It's a holy ordinance of God, deacons and elders. And so murmuring, gossiping, strife, contention, rebellion against leaders, elders and deacons. It hinders our peace and there will not be peace. Churches will not stand. This church will not stand. If we do, if all we do is gossip, murmur and strife and have contention, With our leaders. It will not stand. It will not stand. But on the other hand, a church is blessed. A church is blessed if she maintains peace within her body, within the church body. She will be blessed. Why? Because that's part of the Beatitudes. Blessed are the peacemakers. You want peace? You want to be blessed? Be at peace among yourselves. That's the second point. Peace is preserved with the pursuit of this duty. Again, the teaching is respecting and honoring church leaders promotes peace. Now, final applications. Do you want to create schism? Then disobey this teaching. Disobey this teaching. But when you disobey this teaching, remember that vow that you took as you made be, to be a member of, of, of the PCA church. You you made a vow to study its purity, to study its peace. You want to go against your vow? You heard what that means whenever you vow this, this morning. If you want to create schism, don't honor your leaders and then you'll be breaking your vow. And that is a weighty thing. That is a weighty thing. You must repent and believe in what the Lord Jesus Christ has given for his church as a help. But you can't do that in and of yourself because you'll be doing it in the flesh if you was doing it in and of yourself. You need the Holy Spirit and therefore you need to call on the God of peace who is the one who set this order. Elders and deacons, he is the one who set this order so we can have peace. You need to call on that God of peace to help you to honor one another, to honor your pastors and elders and deacons. And believe in the one who was risen. Believe in the one who died on the cross. He is the one who set this government in motion. And so believe in him, trust in him. Understand the gospel, understanding of the resurrection, would have you want to be at peace with one another and at peace with the leadership that Christ has given for His church. That is the message for tonight. Let's pray, Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, for reminding us of how you, O Lord, govern your church. We thank you, Lord, for every elder here. We thank you, Lord, for every deacon. We thank you, Lord, for our pastor, Lou Vega, and we pray, Lord, that you would continue to strengthen this church, that this church will be a church of peace and love, and that we will love, uh, that we will accept our leaders in love and that we will honor them, oh Lord. Be, help us to be at peace among with each other and may this church continue to prosper and go forward. We pray this in Christ.